Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. How well do we do managing our time, our talents, and our treasures? Jesus expects us to be good stewards of these things so that we can be blessed both in this life and the next. This teaching goes over the parable of the shrewd manager in Luke chapter 16. Let's open up our Bibles and learn how we can live shrewdly as people of the light. Well, good morning, and welcome to uh, another teaching. Today we're going to be discussing the the parable of the shrewd manager. It's in Luke 16, verses 1 to 15. And it is one of the more difficult parables, if not the most difficult parable in all the New Testament. It's a widely misunderstood parable, so we're going we're gonna to hopefully bring some clarity to it this morning. Let's just go ahead and open in prayer, and uh, we'll dive right into it. Father, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for the word of God. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your favor and your blessing and your mercy on our lives. Holy Spirit, we ask you to open our eyes now that we might look into the word of God and that we might see what you have for us. Lead us now, Holy Spirit. We thank you for your mercy and goodness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Luke 16, verses 1 to 15. Jesus told his disciples, There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 400. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who loved money, heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. 
what is highly valued among men, is detestable in God's sight. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're going to break down the parable now and just and open it up. And uh, I think we're going to see some really, really, truly remarkable, revelatory things for us to live by and to, and to really start on a new path today in living in light of this parable. Verse 1, Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So when we break down a parable, we want to... We want to find out who are the characters and who do they refer to regarding, you know, us and our lives. So in this parable, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. The rich man is God or Jesus, and the manager is us. Everything we have has been given to us to manage by God, whether it's our time, whether it's our gifts and talents, whether it's our, our money or our resources or our treasures, our time, talents, and treasures have all been given us by God, by Jesus, and we are to be managers of these things. We are to be stewards of these things. They're not ours. Everything we have, including our very life, the breath in our lungs, belongs to God. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. Everything belongs to God and is on loan to us for this life. We are merely managers or stewards of all that we have. That is a, a paramount principle that we want to really get deep down in our hearts, in our spirit, that everything we have, whether it's our time, talents, or treasures, are given to us as a stewardship from God, and we are to use them for his purposes and in the advancement of his kingdom. So it says here that, that the, uh, the manager was accused of wasting his possessions. All of us, every one of us in history, believers and unbelievers, at differing levels have wasted our possessions. We have used our time, talents, and treasures in ways, many times, that are, that are not with a heart for God, that are not with a focus for his kingdom. Uh, but we use often our time, talents, and treasures in ways that unfortunately are self-serving and sinful. And we have been accused of wasting his possessions. All of us have done this at varying levels. The important thing is that we're aware of it. So all of our possessions that are given to us by God, again, whether it's our time is a gift from God for us to manage, whether it's our talents, our gifts, our talents, the things we do well, uh, the Lord has given us gifts and talents to be used in the advancement of his kingdom, or if it's our, our treasures, our money, our resources, our homes, our vehicles, all the different material things we have really belong to him, and we are to be managers of those things. And as managers, we have failed in that management at varying levels. Because we're sinful, we have failed in that management. In verse 2, so we called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The time is coming where, like this man, God is going to take away our management. 
we will have to be called home as believers to heaven, as unbelievers, regrettably to hell, and our management will be taken away. And this parable is telling us that the time is coming, that God unfortunately has seen that at varying levels we have, we have not properly used the time, talents, and treasures that he's given us. And therefore, we will be called home. Every one of us ultimately die because of sin. Now, if we're believers, we've been saved and our sins are forgiven. But ultimately, we will still die in this life. And at that time, we are going to have to give an account of our management. Verse 2, the rich man, again, who represents God, says, give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. Verse 3, the manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. Now you notice he hasn't taken it away yet. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. So the time is coming in our lives. Jesus is teaching us here that our management over our lives will be taken from us at our death. And at that time, we're going to have to stand before Jesus and give an account of our lives. We're going to have to give an account of how we managed the life he gave us. We're going to have to give him an account of how we managed our time, our gifts and talents, and our treasures, our possessions, our material possessions, our money and everything else. And you're going to notice this man, verse 4, he takes this serious. And so do we today. We need to, like this man, receive this revelation that a time is coming. We're not told exactly when it is the day of our death. But at that time, our management over our life and every aspect of our life will be taken from us. And we'll have to give an account to God with what we did with it. Verse 4, he says, I know what I'll do. So that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. Five, so he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? Verse six, 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 400. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. This is one of the more confusing parts of the parable. Because on the surface, it appears that the manager has just cut the bill that wasn't his, right? It appears as if he just cut debts that weren't his debts. But when we see it that way, we're not seeing the parable in the proper light. This man is told, we are being told by God that all that we are in management of Again, our time, our talents, and our resources are going to be taken away. Now, we still have them today. You notice that the man has the opportunity to still go out and manage as he goes out and makes these decisions to be a blessing. Okay, He shrewdly goes out with the understanding that his management is going to be taken away. And so he's going to do all that he can in light of of this knowledge so that he's going to have a better situation for himself. How this refers to us 
is that in light of the fact that you and I know that the management of our lives will be taken from us when the Lord takes us home, when we die, in light of that, like this man, we want to shrewdly go out and be a blessing wherever we can. This man goes out and he just blesses people. He blesses two folks by cutting their debts. Where can you and I go out in light of the fact that we know our management will be taken from us? Living in light of that revelation, starting today, we want to live in light of the fact that everything we have is a management from God. He's telling us here that it's going to be taken from us. So shrewdly, we want to, to use all that we have in the advancement of his kingdom to be a blessing to his people. Because we know we're going to have to give an account to him, right? Verse 2 says, give an account of your management. So again, I want us to notice that it says my master is taking away my job. He has not yet taken it away. And if you're listening to this, he hasn't taken it away from you. You are still at this time managing your time. You're still managing your talents, your gifts, and you're still managing your treasures, your possessions, your money, the material things you have. You still have the opportunity to think like this man and say, you know what, um, I'm not going to be in management much longer over my life. And so I'm going to go and look to be a blessing wherever I can. Now, this particular man goes out and cuts debts, right? He was managing, like you and I, we're managing everything that we manage really belongs to Jesus. It doesn't belong to us. So we can use our time, talents, and resources as we choose. This man chose to cut debts. You can choose to go out and be a blessing in any way you decide. But let us go today with the knowledge and the insight that because we're going to have to give an account, that we're going to stand before judgment, before Jesus, and have to give an account of our lives and how he managed everything he's given us, let us go out like this man and be focused in light of this revelation. Look at verse 8. Now, again, we're going to get into the deep part of this teaching now. Golly, Lord Jesus. Verse 8. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. The confusion here comes from the fact that when we read the master commended the dishonest manager, we tend to look at that like he's dishonest because of the way he went out and cut debts. That's not the right light to look at this statement. When it says the master commended the dishonest manager, he's not a dishonest manager because he went out and cut the debts. He's a dishonest manager because that's what he is. All of us are dishonest managers at varying levels. All of us are managers who have not properly managed our lives, our time, our talents, and our resources the way the Lord would have us to. All of us are sinful. All of us have done wrong. All of us have been dishonest in our management. So when it says the master commended the dishonest manager, he's not dishonest because of anything he's done here. He has a very nature of dishonesty. You and I have a, a sinful nature. And because of that, we have consistently used our time, 
our talents, and our resources to our own ends, for our own purposes, for our own sinful desires. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. Now, when we came to Christ, when we put our faith in Jesus as our Savior, when we asked Jesus to come into our heart, we received a new nature. We were born again spiritually. The Spirit of God came and lived in our spirit and lives in our spirit. If we're Christians today, genuine Christians. And now we have a new nature where we, where we can actually properly manage our lives. Now, the sinful nature is not eradicated. Still today, as Christians, we, our sinful nature will rise up and we'll be tempted to do things we ought not to do, as, as all of us as Christians can, can testify, right? We still are not perfect. Uh, we still are often dishonest managers. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. How often do I consistently still use my time, my talents, and my resources for sinful purposes? We're not saying here that you can't watch a TV show. We're not talking about being religious. It's not like you got to sit in church all day long or sit into sermons all day long. We're talking about just as a pattern of our lives, we want to more and more consistently manage all the time, talents, and resources the Lord has given us consistently with a mind for Christ, a mind on Christ, in Christ, through Christ, to Christ. Everything for Jesus is how we ought to be managing our lives. Uh, our jobs are a stewardship before Jesus. How we work in our jobs. Do you work at your job as Jesus would work at your job, right? So the master commended the dishonest manager. It's, he's not dishonest because of what he did here. Uh, he has a nature of a dishonest manager. And, and we want our master, Jesus, to commend us. Even though we are sinful, even though we are all dishonest managers, again, at varying levels, it says he, he commended him because he had acted shrewdly. How did he act shrewdly? How are you and I to act shrewdly? Well, Jesus is telling us that the time is coming when we will not be able to be managers any longer. Having that understanding, having that insight, having that revelation, begin today to live a life that's different. Begin today to shrewdly pray and focus and be intentional about living a life where you use your time, your talents, and your resources more and more each day in the advancement of the kingdom of God to the glory of God and to the benefit of his people, knowing that you're going to have to stand before Jesus and give an account of your management. We're going to have to stand and, and we're going to be judged for our lives. Uh, 2, Corinthians, uh, it's verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10, I believe it is, says that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of our lives, of all the things we did. Golly, Lord Jesus, in the fear of God, help us today to go out in light of this parable and to be shrewd managers, shrewdly, Lord, knowing that we're going to have to give an account in the fear of God, more and more living our lives in the advancement of your kingdom. This statement here, again, is perhaps the most confusing of the parable. He says, he goes on to say, for the people of this world 
are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. So think about that statement. What does he mean there? For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. So we have to ask ourselves the question, how are the people of this world shrewd in dealing with their own kind? How do worldly people, non-believers, deal with non-believers? Well, it's a dog-eat-dog world, right? Uh, worldly, non-believers, and Lord Jesus, forgive us for how often we do this, but we will, we will do everything in our power to get everything in our power, and we won't worry about who we hurt, who we step on. Again, it's a dog-eat-dog world. The world will lie, steal, cheat to get everything for its own ends. The world wants to accumulate everything for this life, and it will do whatever it has to do shrewdly. It will lie, cheat, steal to accumulate everything it can for its own interest. Worldly people, and forgive us as Christians for how often we do this, but we consistently want to accumulate things for us, for our own interests, for my family, for my life, for my house, whatever it is, for my cars, whatever it is we want to consistently accumulate for us. And we're just driven by that and we don't care who we hurt in the process. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind. That's how the people of the world shrewdly deal with their own kind. They'll step on their own kind. They'll lie to their own kind. They'll cheat their own kind so that they can achieve their own ends, which is more for themselves in this world. Now, Jesus is saying this should not be. When he says, for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light, it's not a compliment to us. What he's saying is, this is out of place. Who are the people of the light? You and I are the people of the light. If you've received Jesus as your savior, you are part of the people of the light. You have the light of God, the light of the word of God. You have the spirit of God living in you. To have the light means that you have the revelation and the understanding. In this parable, it means the people of the light actually have the revelation that this life is not all there is, that this life is just the beginning, that this life is simply a training ground for the next life. The people of the light have the revelation and understanding that this life is a management, is a stewardship, that all you have, your time, talents, and treasures, are all given to you to manage by God are all given to you by God to manage. And you're going to have to give an account of that management. So in light of that, how ought we to live? The people of the light ought to be the most shrewd in how we deal with our own kind. But obviously we're not going to deal with our kind as the world deals shrewdly with their kind. The people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind. Worldly people deal in worldly ways very shrewdly. But the people of the light need to deal shrewdly, but in the ways of the light, in the ways of love and mercy and goodness and generosity. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This is so powerful. 
Again, one of the more confusing scriptures in the Bible, but hopefully that makes clear sense now. The people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind. Worldly people deal shrewdly in worldly ways, lying, stealing, cheating, whatever they have to do to accumulate more for themselves in this world. The people of the light are called to deal shrewdly, but be shrewd in the ways of the light. Shrewdly today, go out and love everybody. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Shrewdly today, go out like this man and be a blessing wherever you turn. Shrewdly today, go out today and say, you know what? I'm going to use my time. I'm going to talk to somebody about Jesus today. I'm going to use my gifts and talents. The things Lord Jesus has given me, the Lord Jesus has given me that I just naturally do well. The gifts and talents I've been given. And I'm going to use my resources today. I'm going to be a bigger blessing. I'm going to start using my money not just for myself and my own ends, but I'm going to start using it in the advancement of the kingdom of God and the benefit of the kingdom of God, to be a blessing to the people of God. We want to live shrewdly as people of the light, dealing in the ways of the light in a shrewd way. And the ways of the light are the ways of Jesus, the way of love and mercy, and compassion. Go out today and shrewdly, in light of this parable, in light of this understanding, start living shrewdly in the ways of the light. Lord Jesus, help us to live shrewdly. Remember Jesus told us to be as shrewd as a serpent, but as innocent as a dove? Help us, Lord Jesus, today. Thank you, Lord. Verse 9, I tell you, Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Another difficult passage. Um, this is so, so powerful. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. So whatever we have in this world, as believers, Jesus is exhorting us here to have a better hereafter. So I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, because when we die, we can take nothing with us, correct? When we die, every bit of worldly wealth, all our time, talents, and possessions don't go with us. So that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. So it's apparent that how we use the things of this world will affect the hereafter. Now, you don't go to heaven based on anything you do. You get to heaven based only on what Jesus has done. You get to heaven by trusting fully, completely, and only in what Jesus did at the cross on your behalf and in your place. If you're not a Christian today, pray right now, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I ask you to save me from my sin and bring me to heaven when, my, when I die. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as Christians today, we want to use all that we have in this world. He says to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, and it'll be gone at the day of our death, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. What would that look like? John Bunyan wrote the most famous Christian literature book of all time. It's called The Pilgrim's Progress. I would highly recommend it to anyone listening to this. It's called The Pilgrim's Progress. At the end of the book, 
Christian, the main character, is dying. He's going through what's called the river of death. And he comes out on the other side, which represents us going through death and coming out on the other side and waking up in heaven. And he has lived such a devoted Christian life. It wasn't without its mistakes. He still made mistakes. He still sinned as a Christian. He still at times he wasn't focused. But he continued to walk more diligently, more intentionally, growing to more manage his time, talents, and resources as Jesus would have him to. And by the end of his life, he's an extremely mature and focused and devoted Christian. And when he steps into the gates of heaven, everyone knows who he is. He is welcomed there by so many people who were affected by what he did. And they knew his name. Now, the scripture says, although all of us get to heaven only by what Jesus has done, we don't all have the same reward in heaven. All of us will have a different reward in heaven depending on how we managed our time, talents, and resources here. If the Lord was to take you home today, and you were to, to walk through the gates of heaven today, how many people have you affected? How many people would welcome you? How many people would come up to you and say, Jose, man, that, uh, that time you talked to me about Jesus, I received Jesus into my heart, and I went on to live for Jesus. How many people would say, Tom, you know, that time you that time you gave that money to that ministry, well, that ministry reached out and I listened to this teaching and, and I was saved. I received Jesus as my savior. If you were to be taken home today, would you be welcomed into eternal dwellings? In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul said that there'll be many a Christian who will only get to heaven barely by escaping the flames. They were saved. They received Jesus as their savior, but they had very little to show for their life. King David said, I don't want to be naked in the assembly. When we walk through the gates of heaven, what will you have to show for your life? If you were to be taken home today, would you be welcomed? Would you have friends there because you had so lived this life for Jesus? that your name is known in heaven because you devoted your life, your time, your talents, and your treasures to advancing the kingdom of God, to bringing the name of Jesus. Wherever you went and whatever you did, well, I know I haven't done that enough. And I know I would like to be welcomed. So Father, help us this day. Verse 9, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, and we know it will be gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your mercy on our lives, and we ask you to help us, Lord, to use the things of this world in a shrewd way, Lord, so that we will have a better hereafter. Lord Jesus, you told us, do not store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but store up treasures in heaven. Forgive us, Lord, when we're so focused on storing up things for this life. When this life will be taken from us, when our management is going to be taken up from us. This is so powerful. Verse 10, 
Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. This is a, a statement. I've heard many of folks say they're going to start doing more when they have more. And that's just not true. Jesus says that's not how it works. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. If, if you have a job today and uh, you don't feel like you make much money, but even if, if whatever you have today, if you're not trying to be a blessing today with the little time, the little gifts and talents, and the little money you have, if you're not using those things today in a trustworthy manner, then you will not do it when you have more. Many people say, you know, I'll give more to Jesus. I'll give more of my money to God when I have more money. No, you won't. If you're not giving when you have little, you won't give when you have much. Verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. It's a statement. If you will be faithful today, help me, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be faithful this day with whatever we have. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Uh, throughout the, the, the Gospels, Jesus makes it clear to us that the more faithful we are in this life, the more will be given in this life, but especially in the next. In the next life, we're not just going to sit around on a cloud or play a harp or be in church all day. We're going to have assignments. We're going to have positions. We're going to have jobs. And the more trustworthy you are with the things of this life, the greater responsibilities you'll have in the next life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Help me, Lord Jesus. Help us to just repent today. Verse 11. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? This is a powerful verse. Golly, Lord. We have been given worldly stewardship. As believers, again, I'm saying this over and over, we've been given time, talents, and possessions to manage. Worldly wealth, right, is, is money and possessions. And we have to manage these things. If we'll manage them in a way that glorifies Jesus, that benefits the kingdom of God, that blesses and helps his people, it says he will trust us with true riches. Well, the true riches are obviously the things that are not of this world, right? Verse 11, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? The true riches are the things that are not of this world. The true riches are revelation from Jesus, insight from Jesus. The true riches are meaningful, intimate relationship with Jesus. The true riches are the things that are not of this world, the things that you can't get in this world. But here's the good news. If we'll use the things he's given us in this world, if we'll manage the things he's given us in this world, our time, our talents, and our treasures, he will increasingly trust us with true and meaningful riches, the things that are not of this world. He'll trust us with insight into the things of God, intimacy in our relationship with him. We'll have more revelation, more understanding, more desire for the true things that are not of this world. And then when we get to heaven, we'll have even more riches there. So again, the more we can be trustworthy in handling the things of this world, the better life we'll have here with true riches, and certainly the better in the next life. Verse 12. 
And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? It's a very heavy verse. And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property. Well, again, everything in this life is not yours. Ask yourself, why is that? Why don't you own anything in this life? Why does everything belong to God? Why is your very life, the breath in your lungs, your time, talents, and treasures, why do they all belong to God? Why do you own nothing in this life? Everything in this life, everything you have is on loan. You don't truly own anything. I don't truly own anything. Why is that? Well, the simple reason is because we're going to die. There is no permanence. A non-permanent being cannot truly own anything in the real sense of owning it. Because when we die, we're going to have to give it back, right? So, and if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? When we get to heaven, we will be able to own things. And what's the reason for that? Well, the obvious reason is we won't die anymore. We'll be permanent creatures. So in this life, it's not that the Lord wouldn't want to give us things that we can own, but we cannot own anything simply because we're going to die. You can't take anything with you, we've heard it said, right? So we don't own anything in this life. Everything belongs to Jesus. But in the next life, he will actually give us property of our own which he certainly wants to do, and you'll be able to keep it because you won't die. You'll be a permanent, immortal being that you can truly then own things in the next life. That's a very exciting thought. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 13. We're almost done. No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve. You cannot serve both God and and money. It's been said, either you have a hold on your money or your money has a hold on you. How can you know if money is your master? Well, the way to know if money is your master is to, to, to sit back and do an evaluation of your life and, and this is serious. I would do this I would do this uh, right away today. Do you know that money is the most talked about subject in all the Gospels? Jesus spoke about how we handle money more than any other subject. One of every five verses in the Gospel relates to money in one way or the other. He talks about money more than heaven or hell. So how we manage our money, obviously it's God's money, but it's given to us to steward is the single most, the highest subject or the most talked about subject in the Gospels. No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So are you serving Jesus today, or are you serving your money? And the way to know that is, what is your heart for your money? Are you earning money because you have a heart to advance the kingdom of God? Do you earn money with a heart to be a blessing to the kingdom of God? Do you earn money with a heart that says, man, I want to be able to, to use money so that I can advance 
the kingdom of God so I can advance the gospel of God so that do you earn money because you have a heart to bless the people of God? Do you earn money because you have a heart to bless those who are who are needy? Wow, Lord Jesus, I uh, when I look into my own heart, you know, I've been uh, I've been blessed by the Lord, and uh, I have been. Uh, my wife and I have been in a place where we've been able to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. But but man, still not. The more I, the more these words come out of my mouth, I don't feel like we do it, sweetheart, like uh, like we ought to. Or do we? Is money our god? Do we do we earn money because we are consumed with having a better life here? Do we earn money with a focus that we want to have just a better life here? Do we go out and earn money because? I want to serve my own interests. I want to have a better life for me and my wife and my kids and my family. I want to have better homes and better cars and better vacations. It's a process. Every one of us, this is, a, this is an extremely serious exhortation. It obviously ties into the whole parable. We cannot serve two masters. It's a process for each of us. Today, if you're listening to this and, and, and you're convicted that, you know what, I really, I really have not had a heart toward Jesus with my money, well, repent today and begin to little by little, more and more, look for ways you can be a blessing in the kingdom of God. Look for ways that you can bless the kingdom of God. The Bible says we ought to tithe, right? We ought to give 10% of our income to the kingdom of God somewhere, okay? You know, we can do a separate teaching on this, but it, it doesn't tell us exactly where to give it. Obviously, you can give to your church, you can give to ministries, you can give to a lot of places, but you want to give where you truly see the work of the kingdom of God going on. You want to give where you see disciples being made. You want to give where there's more than just church going on on Sunday. You want to give where you really see the life of people growing and trying to live for Jesus and repenting where they fall short. But you want to have a heart with your money. Are you generous with your money toward others? Are you generous toward God? Or for the most part, is your money almost entirely used for your own purposes, your own interests, your own family, your own wife, your own kids? If that's the case today, just, just simply repent. And say, Lord Jesus, I do ask you to forgive me that uh, my money has been very much me-focused. Far more than it needs to be. Help us, Lord Jesus, today to really repent of serving, of trying to serve both God and money. Most of us as Christians try to do both. Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money. Our money needs to be in service to our God because it belongs to him anyway, right? Lord Jesus, help us with this. Verse 14. The Pharisees, who love money, heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. And sometimes I sneer at Jesus, Lord. Forgive us when we sneer at you, Jesus. Forgive us when, you know, there may be people listening to this and sneering because we love money. The Pharisees who love money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. Man, sometimes when we hear Jesus, we may not like what he has to say. 
Sometimes we may hear a teaching or we may hear a pastor and man, we might get convicted, but we might get bitter. Lord, forgive me when I have sneered at you because I haven't liked what you've said. We just sometimes look at this like this is something the Pharisees did, but but sometimes we can sneer at Jesus we don't, when we don't like what he's saying to us, right? Verse 15, he said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. Lord Jesus, forgive us when we justify ourselves in the eyes of men. Help us, Lord Jesus, to repent this day for when we are trying to look good before other people, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, when we care more about looking good before others than we care about being pleasing to you. Help us, Lord Jesus, that our hearts this day would be focused on being pleasing to you. I believe it's 2 Corinthians 5, 9, where Paul said, Therefore we make it our aim to please Jesus, to please God, because we're going to have to give an account to him. Lord, help us today to repent. Forgive me, Lord Jesus, when I've justified myself in the eyes of men, where I've cared more about what men think, Father, than about what you think. It says, but God knows your hearts. Father, you know our hearts, each one of us. Every one of us, Lord, who's listening to this, you know our hearts, Father. You know my heart. Father, help me to live my life. Help us one and all this day to live our lives knowing that what is highly valued among men and women, among people, is detestable in God's sight. What is highly valuable among people, among worldly people, right? It's status, it's fame, it's power, it's money, it's possessions. These are not the things that are important. Let us leave today and go and be pleasing to the Lord in our management. Let us, let us leave today with a new heart, with a focus that we're going to be shrewd managers that are going to use our time, our talents, and our resources in a way that brings glory to Jesus, in a way that advances the kingdom of God, in a way that benefits his people. Father, we thank you for your mercy in our lives. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for these incredible 15 verses. Father, help us today to be shrewd managers. Lord, we have the light of this understanding. We have the light of this teaching, Lord. Help us to live in the light as people of light and to shrewdly walk in the light as you are in the light. And Lord, if we'll do that, 1 John says, the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from all our sin and all our dishonest management, Lord. Help us this day, Father, to, to shrewdly live increasingly more and more, little by little, day by day, more and more living in the light, shrewdly living in love and in mercy and in forgiveness and in generosity in compassion. Help us to more and more, Lord, this day, use our time, our talents, and our treasures in a way that brings glory to you 
and benefit to your people. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org.